This podcast is proudly supported by Drama Victoria. Consider becoming a Drama Victoria member today to take advantage of the many member benefits. We would like to begin by acknowledging the traditional custodians of the land on which we record. We record on the land of the Bunurong people. We pay our respect to their elders past, present and emerging. Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we are lucky enough to be joined by Lucy Angel to discuss all things Laban, or is it Laban? Well, we talk about that and so much more in this podcast. This is a two-part podcast. Part one gives us some information and background about Laban, and part two will actually be a lesson delivered by Lucy Angel for you to listen to and get inspiration from. Lucy Angel has been teaching theatre practice, drama and movement for over 15 years to people of all different ages, experience levels and across disciplines. Lucy is a certified Laban movement analyst, one of the few specialists working in Australia. She has delivered workshops throughout the country to artists, schools, theatre education programs and to health and fitness practitioners. Lucy brings an expansive and diligent knowledge of anatomy, physiology and somatics to her classes and sessions. Lucy Angel has also provided us with an excellent resource that we can use when listening to this podcast and when planning Laban lessons. You can find that in a link in the episode description. Click that link and that might help you when listening to this podcast or feel free to read it later. Without any further ado, I bring you an episode all about Laban or Laban. Welcome to the podcast, Lucy Angel. Thanks, Nick. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Thank you so much for giving us your time. We really deeply appreciate it. All good. Why don't we jump in and start with the thing that's probably already bugging people about the introduction I just gave you, Laban versus Laban. Ah, yes. I always get asked and I just don't feel like I'm an authority because I didn't know the man, nor do I come from where he came from. So I think whatever we say is probably a butchering of how it should be said. So I don't, I really don't think it matters. And to be honest, I probably switch because I trained in the US, came back to Australia and I just get confused as well. So don't worry about it. Excellent. You might hear both today, Laban or Laban. Yeah, exactly. All right. Fabulous. Thank you so very much. So, uh, who, speaking of the man, who is Laban or Laban? Yeah, well, Rudolf von Laban. Um, see, we get it wrong straight away, but it's all good. <laughs> he was one of those, um, I like to uh, warm-heartedly refer to him as one of those crazy bohemian types of the early, early 20th century. He trained in the military and then wasn't having that and went off and trained in the arts and actually um, drawing, architectural drawing. And that's where his fascination began with the human being in space and how he started to see how our movement could be mapped in the physical world and in spatial um, directions. So that sort of took him into dance and he was in the heart of um, Germany and Munich and the sort of uh, new modern dance that was emerging there. And then he was working in Germany as the Nazis were taking power. That was working out for a while. He was sort of not um, getting in trouble with them, but then that changed and he had to flee to England in the 30s. And his um, work has kind of jumped around similarly as well. So he started really in dance, but always with this 
investigation of human movement. Um, there's stories of him and other of his disciples, maybe. I don't think I should really use that word, but I will. <laughs> I'm going off into Switzerland to Mount Ascona and dancing naked on the hills, like they were proper bohemians in that way. And then he, when he went to the UK, he worked in industry and he was really someone at the forefront of ergonomics and efficiency and looking at how the quality of the movement would impact the war effort, essentially. Um, and of course, as drama teachers, we know that then his work was taken up by Joan Littlewood and the theatre workshop and taken down the stream, the lineage of East 15 School and Central School in London. So there's like many branches of his work. And the thing about him is I think he was obviously a brilliant mind and he often came up with an idea or a concept, but then was quite happy for others to develop it and evolve it. So just as famous as some of his collaborators who then developed his work in particular streams. So Mary Vigman was an amazing contemporary dancer in her own right, Kurt, Kurt Joss. Yap Malgram is one a lot of people have heard of because NIDA teaches or did teach his um, approach to character analysis. And that's all in the dance and theatre stream. But then I actually studied in the branch that came out of New York and his student there, Omgard Bartenyev, was, was a physiotherapist. And so in the US, his work has been taken much more down a somatics lineage and can often be seen as closer to Pilates or Feldenkrais or these um, methods that really examine um, functional muscle patterning in the body. And then there's people using it still in industry. Um, Lisa Ullman and Warren Lamb took it off into corporate settings and decision making. And so there's people probably making far more money than me using it in a corporate setting. And people use it with athletes and with gaming animators to make the movement look more realistic. So this, I'm giving you all of this because the scope of the system and what he did has just gone on and on and on. And so I think that's often why people get a bit confused about it as well. Yeah, and that's a perfect segue to asking what the purpose of Laban is. Mm. Why? Why would people use it? Yeah, I think what it always comes back down to is what he was looking for and what he wanted to do was find a way to describe movement. And he did that through um, notation, like actually wanting to find a language to write it down in because he thought that would make dance more um, respectable like music because it can be recorded and so that's the whole <clears throat> that's where love on notation comes in which dancers can use to record a dance but for our purposes in drama and theater it's still a vocabulary it's not exactly um, a way of doing things it's a language to talk about things and therefore also a language to explore in an embodied way to extend our own expressive range. If we can identify more things that are possible, then we have the potential to expand our own range as actors or as theatre makers. Brilliant. Um, and Laban breaks down his techniques into body, effort, shape and space. Perhaps we could break those down as well. Yeah, sure. So we're kind of in the what of the system, right? Like, what is it? So it's this vocabulary for movement and there's the four categories. Um, and the four categories are all really useful and 
but more importantly, they all impact each other and overlap because they are not really able to be separated because they all exist in us as a human body. Um, maybe it's a good moment to mention that along with the podcast, we're going to be posting a guide um, that I put together as short and sweet as I could <laughs> with it while still trying to make things clear. Um, and I think the beauty of this system is it rewards repetition. And if you can kind of hear what I'm saying first hit and then go and read it, it really supports and deepens your understanding and even better getting up and trying some stuff. Um, so in a nutshell, body is looking at body function and patterning and musculoskeletal um, sort of connections. And so that's the part that, you know, you could align more closely to techniques in like Pilates. Um, space looks at the pathways the body can take in space, the zones of movement that a limb can take, um, the directions we move in, the planes we move in, the diagonals we move in. And that's where you get the crazy scales that um, Laban created on that mountaintop that are quite fun if you ever end up learning them. Uh, shape is about, it's almost the transitionary place. It's about breath. Um, and about how you move from one thing to another and the quality of how you do that. Um, yeah, it's the one that's probably, I probably sound the vaguest because it's the one that is the most recently developed as well, um, just in the last 50 years or so, because it used to be called effort shape. They used to be combined and then they got pulled apart. So let's end with effort, which is the one most people know about in the drama theatre world. And effort is about the energetics of movement, the quality of it, basically how you are moving. It's not language for what to do, it's language for how to do it. And of course, that makes sense as to why we love it as actors, because it's the expressive movement that reveals personality or emotion or intention. I mean, there's so much to unpack there. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I was, when I was trying to prepare for this, Nick, I was like, oh, God, how do I distill? Um, but that's okay. We'll get there. Absolutely. And it's okay that it's it's not distilled. This is, you know, there's a really short podcast and there's opportunities yeah. for people to learn a little bit about them to get some, some background. And you've got this amazing document that you've shared with us. So um, if people are interested, they can read a little bit more about it, each of those. But I wonder sure. if, if you can explain how Laban can help our practice as drama teachers yeah. or help yeah. us. You. For sure. Let's get, let's get nuts and bolts. Um, and in the document, after giving you a bit of theory, I've tried to give an example of an activity straight away, um, something you can immediately apply in the classroom. Um, I have definitely written the document more for the teachers, but if students are listening, there's no reason you can't go in and have a go at stuff as well. And um, yeah, and see whether it helps you. In the following things, I think the thing we use it the most for and uh, because it works is actor training. So a vocabulary to expand your range as an actor, give you more ways of, or, well, first have you notice what you habitually do in the way you move. Um, and so then being able to manipulate that with the four effort factors that we'll talk about maybe in a minute. Um, as soon as you're doing that, as soon as you are embodying that those changes, and able to talk about them, then oh, we've already made you better at noticing it in other people. So I've found definitely that this language can lead to some really lovely, specific, evocative, descriptive language for performance analysis as well. Um, and then 
definitely you can use it for devising. So in drama ensembles or even just primary, wanting to create some movement, it gives you some really, some really easy and then lots of layers you can add for making movement material for whatever you need it for. Tremendous. So many people are looking to increase the vocabulary of their students and to yeah. help them in their written exam. And it's wonderful to have an embodied way of doing that. And I think yeah. you're totally right. The Laban is a great way of making that happen. Uh, you mentioned talking about, about the efforts or breaking down the efforts. Do you want to talk to that a little bit? Yeah, sure. I think um, we are often the first thing people will think of when they think of Laban is those verbs, right? Those doing words of flick, punch, dab, etc. cetera. Um, and I'm sure some of the listeners may have come to one of my workshops at um, Drama Vic or something. And the first thing I do is say, that's awesome. However, can we backtrack? Because actually what those verbs are, are really complex combinations of the effort system. Um, and if we just try to embody them based on our English language understanding of the word, we're missing out on a really rich experience. <clears throat> so the effort language, which is the one he developed in the factories in, um, in London, the effort language is broken down into four factors. This is where looking at the guide is going to really help our visual learners. Um, four factors of weight, time, space, and flow. And weight is on a spectrum of strong to light. And time is on a spectrum of sudden to sustained. Space is on a spectrum from direct to indirect. And what am I missing? Flow is on a spectrum from bound to free. And I say spectrum because it is not ever one or the other. There are all the gradations in between. And if you're going to do some effort improvisations, uh, one really important thing to acknowledge is that strong weight for person A is going to look and feel very different to person B. And also we have all these um, automatic value judgments that we have in our bodies from our lived experience and associations where bound flow, for example, if, if as you're listening to me, you imagine just tightening up every muscle and every cell closing and maybe breathing a little more shallowly and pick something up in front of you and but do it with the utmost precision and control and that's bound flow and if you do an exaggerated version of it often our associations are a bit negative it might feel a bit tense or uptight or scared perhaps but then if you back it off a little and just do all of those things with a sense of containment and that careful quality it might feel quite calm and safe so even bound flow we just have to check our associations and our value judgments and maybe try to let go of them, acknowledge them and let go of them for a little bit. Um, yeah, so there's these four factors and it's perhaps helpful to understand what each of them is about. So flow, that which moves between bound and free is about the level of control in the movement. It can also be about the amount of emotion being let out or not. Whereas weight, which is strong to light, is about the force of the movement, how much force or how much of your mass you are putting into that action. It's also about intention, can be about intention. Really, I, I do get a little bit um, anal and make sure people don't say heavy weight because 
heavy has um, associations and implications of sort of slackness and a lack of muscular tone. But the whole, all of effort and these, um, yeah, all of weight effort has to have intention. So if I often tell my students, if your um, fingers are floppy, I don't believe that you're in strong weight. Or if your energy is not extending out your head and tail, I'm not going to believe that you are really using all your force in that moment. So lightweight is also not a lack of um, intention. It's just a much more buoyant or gentle intention. So uh, I often use the example of, okay, everyone um, pick something up and pick it up with a sense of holding back your mass. Don't put too much force into it. Hold it back. Pick it up really delicately and lightly. What is it? And they'll say, oh, it's a feather or a bubble or a baby. Don't often pick a baby up with strong weight, but you're definitely going to pick up a very excited Labrador puppy with strong weight because it's going to require more of your force and more of your mass to deal with that object. Yeah, so what have I done? I've done flow and I've done weight. Time. Time's a really interesting one. It's not about timing. Um, it's not about, well, it can, it's a nice one to play with the element of theatre composition of rhythm because it's very much about decision and when something happens and the duration of how long it goes for. So sudden time, I usually cope through breath. Sudden time is a gasp or stubbing your toe and that's shock that happens afterwards. It's those little explosion, explosions of time. Whereas sustained time is expansive and indulgent and it's like stepping into a hot bath. It's like the bubble that just keeps expanding. And the really important thing about time, if you have a character who is in sustained time and they're that person that just has all the time in the world for everything they're doing and they just, you know, lounge around perhaps, the important thing is it doesn't switch into slow motion. They're not just going slowly. Time keeps reinvesting like bubbles that keep popping. It's a, a moment of that indulgence of sustained time and then another and then another. And when you coach it like that for students and using the breath, you see this change in the room from just trying to do something slow or fast. And finally, we have space, which is about attention. It's about what you are paying attention to and whether your attention is on one specific thing or whether, and that's direct space, or whether your attention is expansive and overlapping. It's seeing everything all at once. As teachers, we switch between indirect and direct space all the time from scanning the room to landing on one student and giving them that time and then expanding back out. And it doesn't just have to be about vision. We all know that we can attend to space through our other senses as well. That was a long spiel. How are That's we going? Absolutely, but it's so great. It's, <laughs> it's wonderful to get those in detail and understand that it's not just about uh, that those other terminology that we're so used to. So it's great yeah. to see that detail and understanding the, the theory behind that and, and why it exists and, and how to think about it is vital. And I guess I've given you a little, a little key into how I coach it, which is, you know, we're all improvising in the room and my coaching is always body-based. 
and supported by the breath. There'll be some visualizations in there as well. But if I can get the students to, or whoever I'm in the room with, if I can get them to experience strong weight and sudden time and direct space, that takes time in itself. But if you put that time in, then they can do the combining themselves. I don't need to bother teaching a flick and a dab and a press because that those eight basic effort actions are only one tiny little section of what's possible with all the combinations of the elements of the effort factors. So there's four factors, there's eight elements. Those eight elements can be combined in twos in, and in threes in all those different ways. So if I give the students the eight pieces, then they can just go away and do the rest themselves and be um, inquisitive about what does it feel like to try and do bound flow and sustained time together? And who is that? What, what, what moment does that exist in? For me, that feels like, the moment after you're walking in a dark forest and you heard a twig snap and you've tensed up and you're now in that waiting moment of is there another sound that is bound sustained for me wonderful and we are lucky enough that you have volunteered to take us through an example session or, or lesson as well and what we might say to our listeners that we're going to put that on the next episode so if you want to have a listen yeah. to that uh, that lesson you can listen to yeah. the next episode and it'll be that exact thing of um basically coaching each of the eight elements through body cues with a bit of visualization as well and that document will be very useful in, in understanding and following along with yeah wonderful and what's the best way for us to contact you if we want you to run a workshop or want to ask you a question yeah sure so in the guide that will be linked my phone number and email are there easy peasy Excellent. Well, for this episode, although we're going to be releasing both episodes at exactly the same time, for this episode, we say thank you so very much for your time today, Lucy Angel. No worries. Thanks, Nick. Thank Have you. Hey, see ya. Well, that is all for this episode of The Aside. But of course, you can keep listening to the second episode where Lucy Angel takes us through a mini task for primary school or beginner's guide to Laban and then through an extensive task that takes you through a lot of the techniques that you might be looking for your students to utilize when working with Laban or perhaps when describing body movement for analysis and evaluation. So keep listening to that second episode and I think you'll get a whole lot out of it. Lucy is a wonderful practitioner and her manner is so captivating it's well worth a listen we also have a load of episodes in the bank well over 300 now so feel free to go through those and find one that piques your interest we are lucky enough to have just smashed 100,000 listens so thank you so very much to our weekly monthly or occasional listeners for tuning into the podcast and for getting the listenership up so high uh, we started this uh, thinking we might get 100 or 200 people listening per year and, and to have 100,000 people is really truly exciting so thank you all for your contributions to that if you'd like to ask us a question please do not hesitate to do so at asidepodcast at outlook.com Thank you to Halebury for letting us record here, to Aaron Searle for providing the music, to Drama Victoria for their ongoing support, and of course, thank you for listening.